0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another Awaken Your Relationships. I am Julie Murphy, and Rita is here because she's the relationship expert. I'm the money expert, and we work things out and we act it out and we do it through our money, through our health, or through our relationships. Hence, we're here. Uh, Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on my channel and Rita's channel, uh, and that notification bell and like because. We're here to help you to get to a life that you absolutely love and you want to know when we're talking about the next topic because guess what? We're on the edges of consciousness and we're talking about those layers that are going to come up and today is no different. We're going to go deep into one of those components of our core stress response systems and Rita has taught me um, and our other watchers and listeners that... um, one of them is people-pleasing, that when you are super stressed out, you go into your deflective response system that says, oh, I'll make it okay, I'll fix it, I'll people-please, I'll do this, and um, I've had a really great example of that in my own world today, because hello, people-pleasers, I am one as well that has been my past, and uh, it all has to do with accommodating others, and my, oh. one of my, go ahead, Rita, sorry.
1: Oh, no, I was just gonna say, well, you know, what, what happens is, you know, when someone, we tend to accommodate people, it's one of those five coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we don't understand when we personally are in people pleasing mode is that the other person is just throwing spaghetti at us. They're mm-hmm. throwing anything that they can find, the kitchen sink, what's it, you know, whatever can pop up into their mind to hurt you. That's what they're actually trying to do. And so you can run around people pleasing. Oh, well, dinner wasn't on on time. Okay, well, dinner's going to be two the second on time. Well, you know, the bed wasn't made. Well, I'll make sure I get the bed made. Well, the bill wasn't paid. You know, okay, I'll be right on that. I'm so sorry for not getting that on time. You know, thinking that the other person, because they're getting their needs met, their voiced (laughs) needs met, that somehow they'll they'll feel better. But the thing about people who are in a triggered or narcissistic sort of response is they're just messing with you. And they don't even realize they're messing with you. Right. They're just putting things out there to see if you jump and how high, and it's kind of entertaining for them. And you know, so they're throwing you things that you're people pleasing that have nothing to do with the real issue that they're hiding from you. So true.
0: So, so true. And you know, it's funny that you say that because I even noticed that with so, so with my children as well. So it's not only relationships, you know, romantic relationships, it's relationships with in business, it's relationships with your children, it's relationship with your parents, it's, you know, romantic relationships, all the above, because you are you and you don't show up any other different way than how you're wired. And this is also true in um, money relationships because people will people please. And that's when they're like, you know, I remember this one time, you know, I had I had surrounded myself with people who were takers and I was a giver and I'm a people pleaser. So I would accommodate. And I had this one friend back years ago that used to, um, she would put like $10 and 91 cents on the table. Cause that's exactly what her thing cost at the restaurant. And then I started to realize after a while, I'm like, she doesn't pay for tax or tip. And so that's when I started to learn, you know, because money was that part, it's interesting. I always learn my lessons first on the money front, because that's the easiest for me to digest. And in my romantic relationship, it's the hardest, and everything else is in between, right? So I learn it with clients and then with employees, and you know, and that's how I learn the lessons. And I've realized it's because those are safer containers for me to learn them at in first. Whereas when you're really intimate and vulnerable in romantic relationships, it's like the last part that I learn it from. And this accommodation is big. And my teacher that I was uh, seeing yesterday, when I was walking through this um, all in my mind, she said to me, and I want to read this for people: um, "You're a good person," she says. "But now be a good person and accommodate two and four, Julie." Do exactly what you do for everybody else and do it for you. And it was interesting as I walked myself through this process and something that came up in my personal world this week, um, I literally like got a migraine headache. I felt like I was going to throw up. I, you know, then I'm in a conversation with, you know, someone I love and they're just like, oh, there it is. And they're like, all right, just get it out. I'm like, what are you talking about? Get what out? No, 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 no. I didn't even realize it at the moment and that person just held space for me and then that's when the tears started coming because i finally felt the feelings of whatever created my people pleasing in the first place but that stuff was buried deep right it's really fascinating when you start to choose you first and we don't even know where those layers are at right it's just about deciding that you want a different reality and I've right. done a ton of work. This is like an onion peeling the layers. And it's like, it just gets bigger. And I think it's it's um, building the muscles, right? And at first it's really weak and wobbly. And like this one was a huge one this past week in my world. And it's like, wow, if I could step into that, I can step into anything. Like I ain't, I ain't accommodating or people pleasing anybody except for myself. And guess what? Everything else... That's what we mean because we always talk about that it's shifted from the inside and then your outside world changes. So when you accommodate yourself more than you accommodate other people or at least equivalent as other people, you're now in a better
1: right relationship with the world. Mhm. Well, I you know, I want to give a, people a good reason why it's important to put yourself first. Let's think about if an event happens um, on the way to work. You're driving to work and something happens. Right. And you were thinking about, I don't know, Paul Simon while you were driving because you were listening to music and bopping along with the music. And somebody else who's driving along, they were thinking about how they were late. And somebody else who's driving along, they're thinking about how they're going to get paid today. Somebody else is driving along, they're 80 years old on the way to the grocery store to pick something up. And all of you will see that event and Mm -hmm. project onto it, your own fears and your own insecurities. That's what you're gonna feel. Right. What we see out in the world is a reflection Mm. of our unconscious beliefs and unconscious fears. Totally. So when we walk into a situation and somebody does something and, and, and literally when we're emotional, we can't see anything. So if we had a rat in front of us, we wouldn't see it as a rat, right? We would see it as, I don't know, a big tiger or an angry man or a pedophile, right. or, you know, we would see it as something else other than a rat. Right. But when you recognize when you're reacting in a way that's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you treat yourself really well, the veils come down. And you see what's in front of you isn't a tiger; it's actually a rat. And you see that you've got a rat trap, and you see that you've got a baseball bat in your hand, and you know, and you know that you are protected. You're fine, right? Right. But when you're in the moment, when you're driving down the road and this incident happens, you're thinking about whatever it is you're thinking about. You're unconscious. You're not aware. And so, if you're reacting, it means you're not aware. Mm-hmm. And you need to stop, you need to calm down, and then you'll find your answer. Always, right? always. Yep. And what was
0: going through my mind when you said that it was about safety, right? Really all of this revolves around safety. Like I always say, you cannot manifest more money or more love or more of anything else unless your nervous system is not hijacked and you're in a place of safety because that's what opens you up to manifestation and it all boils down to safety. So if you're, you know, and we've talked about this, you know, that I had chose at the end of my marriage to move me and my children into a hotel room because that created a container of safety. And I didn't realize at the time, I just knew that something was going to boil over and it was not going to be good. And it was time to like go, whoosh, right and not 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 he, here nor there it's just that is what was okay at that moment in time and i've even learned post-divorce all these years that it's about i have to have a safe container and i i was reminded of this recently because um my nanny gave an example the town she lives here in uh, illinois glenview this mom went to the courts to say take the masks off the kids and she won and she thought she was doing this to free like the kids to be have be freedom well then when they went to school they isolated the children yeah you don't have to wear your masks but they had to eat lunch in a room by themselves they had to go sit in a corner by themselves like that's not creating a safe container for those kids they're being shamed and shunned and. Like, I think about the subconscious wiring, and and I certainly don't wanna get into a masked argument, but I'm just saying that that is a great example of how we can choose to create a safe container or choose to create an unsafe container for not only ourselves, but those that we love. And um, I've even noticed with my own children in my house, you know, they come back to my house Yelling a lot more. And I'm, and I'm, anyone who knows me knows that I certainly have a history of being a yeller. And then I realized, wow, that doesn't create a safe container. So now when the kids raise their voice, I'm like, does that create safety for all of us here in the house? I don't know. It kind of jars my nervous system. What do you think? And they're like, and because I started to notice my little guy, when someone would yell, it'd be like, like he would shake and he'd be like, you know, and so. The safety container, I I really want people to understand that because that's the key. I really believe that's, that's the cornerstone. No matter what you have to do in your life, create a safe container for yourself. And if others aren't holding that space for you, that's when you have to accommodate yourself more than others. Because then that's when you can evolve. That's when you can expand. That's when you can manifest. That's when things start to show up in your world.
1: Yep. When I was in Hawaii, I wanted to have a Moana experience, so I decided to go kayaking in the middle of a storm <laughs> with my husband.
0: Did you hang off the edge like Moana? <laughs>
1: oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, we're, we're in this kayak on the beach, and it's you know the waves are bad and it's storming, and you know and and we start to push it in, and I'm like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's go. And you know the guide he's looking at me like okay I need the money so if she's crazy enough to go fine and my husband you know he's just following along doing Mm -hmm. what I want to do right and um so we got in I was in the front of the kayak it was a double kayak and the first wave totally toppled and capsized us we weren't even really off the beach it was terrible and I couldn't get my footing and wave mm-hmm. after wave after wave after wave kept pushing me down. I couldn't even get my head above, you know, wow. and I sat there thinking I'm going to drown. I could drown. And I, I of course I wasn't going to drown, but you know, <laughs> when you're in a reactive state, you know, you're like, it could be very easy to drown right now. For this- <laughs> All right. You know? And so the first thing you always do when you're feeling emotional or in crisis is you have to get stable, So the first thing I did is I just made sure, what do I need to do to get stable? I don't care anything else that's happening around me. I don't care if the waves are breaking over my back. What must I do to be stable? And once you're stable, then you can make better decisions because you're not freaking out anymore and reacting to all sorts of stuff, which just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. You're not going after the rat with the wrong tool. You know, you're using the right tool for the right job. You're not ignoring what's what's real, but you're also not projecting onto the situation when you were a helpless child. And that's what happens when people get angry or hurt or upset, whether it's us or somebody else. We're projecting onto the situation like a movie screen, like, a, like we're sending a movie out into the world saying, this is what's happening, you're betraying me, you're doing this to me. And then people hide and they start um, throwing mud and they start th- they start getting mean because they're protecting who they think they are which is that four-year-old or right. that two-year-old or that eight-year-old right remember that you're an adult you mm. julie you've got all the money everybody loves you Aww. you're smart <laughs> you i mean you are in the position of power here you because of your mental and emotional health, are in the position of power, and yet your body keeps thinking ah. that it's a child, <laughs> that it's a child. That's in that so world, true. In and you man, know,
0: yeah. So let's run this through because I'd like to share this with people. So what I came to realize this week was the fact that so this experience that I had, if you've watched any of my other videos, like my subconscious pattern was I was sexually molested by a Catholic priest when I was like five years old, who was a family friend, right? Um, Didn't realize it until after I got divorced and hypnotherapy. And then it finally came out and I, you know, finally came out of my subconscious mind, remembered the experience. Now a whole lot of other things made sense to me. And then, so this was about an authority figure, right? And then I have my dad love him dearly. But dad would always say to me, Julie, you should have been born a boy because you're good at things. He couldn't resolve in his own mind how a daughter could be that successful or athletic or high academic because to him, the men went out and did that and the women stayed home and had babies. Like my dad's literally like the Cleavers, right? And and he didn't
1: mean any harm by that. It was just that he was trying to resolve that in his own head. But he also married a strong, confident woman. Isn't that interesting? You know, your mother is amazing. Right, but she also was Mrs. Cleaver.
0: She birthed 12 babies and ran the house and stayed home and super strong, super like amazing, but still played that other role, right? And so more of in the home as opposed to outside of the home, right? And I'm outside of the home. And actually I'm kind of doing both worlds, but So there was this wiring in me. So what happened when dad said that? And I had this experience with the priest. Then I super excelled because I was trying to achieve something on a subconscious level to be enough. But I didn't have a penis. So I was never going to be enough for my dad. Because, which has nothing to do with my dad. It has to do with how it wired in me. And then this is where all the conflict with my ex-husband comes from every ounce of it. Whenever there's a position where he tries to take authority over me, I then people please and accommodate. And that's what created the mess that I was in, in my marriage.
1: So what does, when he, when that happens to you, when you feel intimidated or pressed up against by a man, how does your body feel? What happens? Does your heart beat faster? Does your skin crawl? I almost go into like panic.
0: Like I almost, not a panic attack, but I get anxiety. Like, it's like, oh God, like I need to like, whoop, like calm this down. I need to like, what can I do to take the conflict away? Cause I don't like conflict. There's not one out yeah. of me that likes conflict. So yeah. I will accommodate and people please to take away the
1: conflict. Well, to take away the feeling that you're having. You don't have a problem with the conflict. You have a problem um, with how you feel. because yeah, I don't want to feel, feel the feelings. Yeah, that was me bearing the feelings of the
0: priest. Mm, that's yes. that's good recognition. And I, and I even reinforced that by going into a man's industry. I'm in finance. Yeah, and yeah. I've had men tell me in the industry like, well, Joel, you're kind of like a one-hit wonder. But, you know, it's cute that you do business differently in the finance world. But, uh... It's not really a repeatable process. It's just kind of like Julie's way of doing it, but it's not really the way the industry is. Again, fueling my not enough button, right? And I have surpassed the majority of people in my industry. So I have realized that how I have built my life up to this far is on the wrong fuel. It's on the fuel of scarcity. It's on the fuel that wears out your body. It's on the fuel that has a high burnout rate at some juncture. And that is the transition over the last five years that I've been in, is shifting the fuel. That it's a fuel based on what I absolutely love to do and not doing it. And it's funny, I remember, I found that when I went away to college. That was the freedom I found when I, because I I had no authority over me. I was paying for my own college, so it didn't matter. And when I started my business, it was just like, why not? I believe in me and it's funny all that stuff 20 years later is coming back. And I'm like going, Oh yeah, like this is exactly, I did everything in heart-based consciousness back then because I don't know, I just seemed to like it. And so I did it and it was expansive. And you know, that's why I wound up in the career that I'm in because I was able to, because what was true for me was that I paid for my own way through college and I was a finance major. And I was like, But then i realized i'm really good with people and people kept telling me like julie you got to go into sales and i was like i could have went into sales without paying for college like this is what wired into my head now today that might sound crazy to people but back then you know i could have been super successful without going to college and be a salesperson so for me when i found my authenticity because that's you know the second step in the process, I work with clients that we have to wake that authenticity back up again, of who is that person in the inside, because we've distracted ourselves for years. And, and I found that it was like that blend between like, yeah, the education that I got, as well as applying the people, person, sales type personality. And, And when you dig deeper, you know, I'm an initiator. You know, I, I have no problem taking the next step, and that's why I'm an entrepreneur, and I can stoke conversations with people very easily. And so it's like taking my greatest gifts and doing it from my heart and have that be the fuel, as opposed to the fuel of like, it's funny, somebody will say something now, and I could be like, oh, that just triggered my not enough button, and I'm trying to, wrong fuel, I'm like, And then I'll take a step back and reflect and be like, well, is this true for me or not true for me? And it, I'm still in that place of trying to differentiate some of that stuff. Because the way I've always done it can't be done, like, I can't even plug in that way anymore. Because I've done so much layer of the work and releasing stuff. So it's interesting. And and I'm, um, so it's unpacking my heart as well as um, it's, Having me deepen my trust that all will be okay, even if I don't go to my stress coping mechanisms of people pleasing or accommodating that it, it it's a big step in trust. That's what actually happened this week was it's just a way deeper level of building my life from an abundant perspective that it's okay for me and the other people. It's not an or, it's an and. And trust that it's all going to work out exactly how it's meant to whatever that means (laughs) Uh,
1: there's three steps in evolution kind of that they've identified so far and the first step is where you're reacting to things so that you feel helpless you don't really know what's happening you know for most of my life uh my body would react to things um like a car pulling into the driveway mm. or a footstep on the floor above me, right? or people coming downstairs, you know, they were very random physical things. So it could be people who loved me, but if I, if I wasn't paying attention and I heard a noise, you know, I'd immediately go on to alert. That's not, that's not really hard way to live. Yeah. And you know, when you're reacting so much to the smallest sounds, you're constantly jumping, you're always in a state of panic or anxiety that you're trying to control. Um, you know that's that's kind of where most people are at. The next stage is you realize that you have choices. Mm-hmm. So you start to take control of your life and you say, okay, yeah. I do not have to behave this way. I am not in danger. Things aren't, you know, my life is not falling apart. I might not know what's going on, but I'm not going to walk in and start swinging anymore because it's not, it's, yeah, it's not helpful. (laughs) And then the third stage is where you realize that there are paradoxes and that all sorts of different perspectives exist, just like the animal kingdom or the plant kingdom, you know. As a child, we look onto the world and we want everything to all be the same. Mm. And that's kind of how most people are at right now. Mm. But when you start to have your spiritual awakening, you get to the point where you realize everybody's different. Everybody's their own unique animal. Mm. Most people are reacting and they're projecting, you know, pretending you're somebody that you're not. Most of us as people are reacting and then projecting, you know, and we forget, you forget how much power you have you forget how much money you make and how much control you have and how you don't have to fall for those things anymore but your body doesn't know any different your body's still reacting and so your mind has to keep you steady so that your body can prove to itself that what you're telling it is true but it has to live through the experience it has to have the experience And only when it resolves itself and you stayed conscious through it without you needing to do anything without fighting, without manipulating, without people pleasing, if you just sit there, it will come and it will go. And I always say that
0: the only way through or the only way to the other side is through it, you have to feel it. So I've always interpreted that as you have to feel the feelings that you haven't felt that was causing the reactivity and the projecting. And mm-hmm. because I see that with people with money, when they're, um, it comes up in debt and spending, that's where it, it comes up. And then they think it's everybody else's problem. Like it's the government or it's their parents or their employer or whatever, you know, and they blame, right? We, we end up with blame, shame, guilt, and judgment. And uh, it's really fascinating. And, and I really believe that as the world at large today, we are really being pressed to accept differences that, I mean, think about the controversy between, you know, topics of vaccine or masks or like, it's all, to your point, it's all reacting and it's all projecting. And um, I really feel like as a society, we're being pressed to understand that we are all one and we are all different and different isn't wrong. Like this whole right wrong. And I know that that's, you know, if we go to our holistic realms, um, we're moving from third dimension to fifth dimension energetically, and which means the frequency and the vibration of the earth is rising. And that's what a lot of this is, this increase in vibration is increasing the intensity because duality and polarity of the right-wrong is actually literally being pushed out of society and it, the more we stay in that the more we suffer and you know i just helped someone through a divorce the other day and i was with the attorney and it's funny the diver- the attorney you know they're like well she, you know she deserves half and i'm like you're dealing with a narcissist the way to get this divorce over is to you have to position things and be a actress if you will that he's won that he's won every decision so to me we have to go into this settlement and we know what he's asking for and when you just say okay okay because I want my client to understand that no matter which decision he goes, and even the ones that we don't know, because he's kind of given signs of some, but there's gonna be some that don't come up, she's gonna be fine no matter what, no matter what. But it's about how do you get to the next right step and and know that you're gonna be okay regardless. And so stop projecting and reacting to whatever he
1: comes up with, you know? And You can't, you can't stop a reaction because it's a deep-seated subconscious trigger that you have no control over that's in your body. Right. But when we have a reaction, if we um, cope with it but still believe it, our body keeps pumping out adrenaline and cortisol And it feeds our addiction to the emotion. So many times we'll create drama around us because it's our body wanting that hit of adrenaline or cortisol. And once we react, then, you know, there's no end. You know, there's no end until something really big happens. You know, my boyfriend used to say that to me all the time. He's like, what gives with your ex? What are you addicted
0: to this? And I was like, no. And I was just like, oh God, like, because physiologically, like my brain wasn't addicted to it per se, but my body could not, like I could not turn the reactivity off. God knows. And it was, a, it was, and I eventually have, but it took conscious awareness to continue to heal and to feel to get to that place where then I was no longer addicted to the cortisol um, and the emotions running through my system. And it's so interesting that you say that because I don't think people realize that that's a real deal. Like we think of addictions of alcohol and drugs and no, addicted to the cortisol that your body's producing, which actually then also creates all my belly fat, right? Like I'm like, going, what's been interesting is my belly, because I'm like, I've been on every diet I exercise blah, blah, blah. it's really it's about a reduction of cortisol because that's what creates on the inflammatory stuff. And that's what causes your belly to go up. And again, regulating your nervous system to get neutrality and cortisol goes down, blah, 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 right? And um, my stomach is almost flat. And literally somebody looked at a picture of me that was four years ago and they were like, oh my God, because my face was like, mm? like so blown up. I actually should probably show you this. You'll probably die laughing. But it's just amazing to me. Yeah, let me, let me actually pull this up. I wanna show you guys, when you're addicted to the cortisol and everything, this is when I was full blown in the cortisol. And it's crazy. Here we go. Look at that. Wow. Yeah. Can yes. you see how it's like Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I was so inflamed. And it was mm-hmm. like, and that was my face.
1: Mm-hmm. Imagine what my belly and my ass were like. <laughs> so I mean, the, the hardest part about me being traumatized as a kid is because intellectually, I knew nothing had really happened. Mm-hmm. You know, intellectually, I just dis- disassociated and I knew that nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. But my body kept reacting to every small sound, every raised eyebrow, every loud noise. I mean, I was a wreck all the time, even though my life was really great, but I was still a wreck. And that's kind of when I crash landed at about 30, is because um, even though everything was going right in my life, I was still hiding, I was still lying, I was still, protecting myself. My body was still reacting. I couldn't let anybody know how, how uncomfortable I was, how little I slept, how bad I felt in the mornings, mm. how hard it was on my body. I hid it from everybody. Right. You know, because we can't control our reactions. And so what would then happen is because now I'd be triggered and I'd be scared or worried about something, my mind would find something to be worried about. Right. That's you know, so keep, true to keep, to keep feeding it. And so not only would I then be triggered, but then I'd be triggered and I'd be triggered relentlessly. Like it wouldn't mm-hmm. end. And every time I turned around, my body was, was freaking out. Right. I to, I had to avoid people in order to not freak out. I had to, you know, protect myself to the, to the ninth degree to not freak out. And when I started to understand reversing trauma and body-mind science, and you realize that your emotions are really your body having a, a reaction, like an allergic reaction, right? you know, to a bee sting or something like that, your body's having a reaction. And what do you do when your body's having a reaction? You give it what it needs. Mm, whatever that is. Whatever that is. Whatever that looks like. Mine food. You needs. <laughs> and when you... Um, Well, your body needed food, but what it really needed was love and comfort and safety. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so when you give yourself love and comfort and safety, you're actually meeting your real needs. It's true. And then because your real needs are being met, your body doesn't hold on to all of its coping mechanisms anymore because it doesn't need them. Right. You don't need to- It really is that simple. The stress isn't there. Yeah, because you give yourself the love and the care and the compassion and the you know listening ear and putting yourself first. When you do that, you finally get what you needed as a kid when the original trauma happened. Right. you have just been waiting all along. Those parts and pieces of you. A friend of mine used to say, you know, they're just parts of me that are coming up to be loved. Mm. So when you get angry and when you get irritated or scared or anxious or people pleasing or reaching for food, you shouldn't. It's really a part of you that's coming up that wants you to turn to it and say, hey, I love you. What do you need right now to feel better? Because you seem kind of anxious and scared. And that's when you use all of the fun little tools and they're wonderful. That's when you take a bite of good chocolate and you smell some oils and you go for a walk and you stroke your arms and you pet your cat and you talk to a friend and you hug a tree. That's when you're supposed to be taking that time to nourish yourself is when you're scared and angry and anxious, not continuing to repeat the addictive cycle of fighting or of triggering and reacting, which you can't control. You can only control parenting yourself. That's true.
0: And you know, it's funny, I just did that with one of my daughters yesterday. She was in a trigger and I was, and she like me, you know, goes to food. And, um, and I coached her through exactly what you're talking about. Like just, well, you have the choice. You can choose that or, you know, we can move the energy in a different way. I said, we can work out and, you know, it's funny. She's starting to watch me and she's like, mom, you're looking thin. And I'm like, yeah, it's just all about choices, honey. It's what I choose. And she's like, "Hmm." as I watched her, like choose different things for breakfast today. It was interesting you know and um it's really about loving yourself enough and and it's like when we started talking about like we accommodate and love and care and have compassion for ourselves over and above other people and um that's when your whole world's gonna change Right, because everybody's watching everybody. you.
1: Yep, everybody's interacting you, with you differently. I I have a client who's um was having some troubles with her family, with her kids. They were getting you know having some bad relationships. There was a lot of drama, and she was very scared about it. And so every time that you know, her child would come around, there would always be drama of some sort, reactions going on and reactions going on. And, and kids were being, you know, hurt in the process because they are pawns and, you know, all those sorts of things happen. And I worked with her and she put the things in place where she kept calming herself down and calming herself down. And now her daughter feels safe enough to come back. Because her daughter knows that she's triggery, but her mom isn't gonna isn't gonna feed it anymore. She's just right. gonna stay solid. She's not gonna react. She's gonna support her. She's gonna be there for her, and so she can work out. You know, the daughter can work out whatever she needs to work out. So true. Yeah, you know, it's so when we say that the world changes around you, it's because. You're becoming a different person and the, and the people around you right. can no longer try to hold you down into that old box and they're right. gonna learn from you. right. And you're gonna role model and they're gonna you're gonna imprint on them and they're gonna um, start to say the things that you say as their own thoughts. you know So as long as we're reactive, we can't change anything. Right. But if we can stay calm and centered, we can support whatever process is trying to unfold mm. in ourselves or somebody else. So true. Rita, how do people get a hold of you? You're amazing. Thanks. <laughs> they can find me at ritahickmancoaching.com. And um, if you do a search for Rita Hickman on YouTube or Facebook, you'll find me. I do monthly pop-up workshops on things like raising a heart-centered child or letting go of your, you know, uh, old money patterns or money beliefs because St. Patrick's Day is in March. So I thought, oh, that'd be great. Let's do one of gold. Yes, exactly. I thought, oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great. So people can find me and, you know, there's ways to work with me um, if they want to. And we can really help people change their lives, you know, in just a few months for the basics. And then within, you know, nine months, 12 months for bigger stuff. And
0: by all means, on my end, go to juliemurphy.com. Get on our email list because I am going to start doing coaching um, once a week with people as a group uh, to get you to financially get you to a life that you love. Because most people, what I find is in a life that they is not optimal for them today and they really want to get to this other place but financially they don't know how to bridge and get themselves there and that's what I help people do. And um and go to awakenyourwealthbook.com. You can get the book for free. You just have to pay for your own shipping. And uh again hit that like, subscribe and notification bell and could you please just share this with people because Reed and I want to help heal relationships and your financial relationships as well. Um, and the more we can get this stuff out and we need your help doing that and we'll just make a better world. Thanks everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye.